Welcome to episode 103. Today's guest shares some of his favorite memories from his eight years playing with the Detroit Lions. Additionally, in his life after football, he founded the Beyond the Game Network, where he works with some of the top startups in the nation. Andre Fluellen, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? Man, as I always say, it's the best day of my life because today is today. So I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you on. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. First off, we'll go all the way back to the beginning for you. Where did you come from? What was your life like growing up? Yeah, man. So uh come from a little town, Cartersville, Georgia. And we kind of put out some good football teams and good, good football players. You know, Ronnie Brown, Trevor Lawrence. That's, uh, that's Cartersville. So, uh, so growing up, though, believe it or not, man, I was not an athlete, football player, nothing. Like, uh, you know, I grew up, as I, as I tell people, man, I grew up the fat kid growing up. Eat pizza, play video games. That was it. I didn't want to do much of anything else. Uh, so to to think that I would have ever made it to the NFL, like if anybody would have asked, you know, my friends growing up, like, hey, is Dre going to make it to the NFL? Like, they was like, dude, no. There's, like, there's just no, there's no way possible. Like, I was the least likely to make it to the NFL. If they had that award, I would have won it. So that was kind of how I grew up. Um had both parents, man. They had a really, really good structured environment, man. I was really, really fortunate, and really blessed. I've had such, a, you know, such a good, strong background. So, uh, but yeah, man, but that was me, man. The fat kid growing up, believe it or not. Well, then, when did you start to get recruited? Was it a early process for you? Were teams on to you early in high school, or was it later on? You know, so I played a little bit of middle school football, and then I played, I, I was on JV my freshman year like everybody else, and then uh, surprisingly, I had no idea, but i never forget this, man, it was a first, my 10th grade year, it was the first day of practice, and the coach was like, hey, we got a new defense, starting defensive end, man, I'm super excited about this guy, and I'm thinking of somebody that came from another school, and he said, uh, Andre Fuellen, are you going to be our starting defensive end? I was like, what? Like, hold on, me? Right? So... <laughs> I uh, had no no clue, no idea. Ended up playing, you know, playing well that year, and uh, I started getting my first scholarship offers by you know my sophomore year in high school. So, and then they after that they just kind of started rolling in. Um, after that, from all the south southeastern schools, and so yeah, man. But I would have never thought, even just even in high school, I would have never thought that I'd have a you know scholarship offers or anything like that. I was just out there playing football just because my friends were out there. And that was it. Well, then how'd you end up at Florida State? Why did you end up signing there? All right. That's, I, I love this part of it. So I got a friend of mine. His name is Kendall. And I'll never forget Kendall in my life. I, I, when I talk about Kendall, I say he has probably been the best person that got me to Florida State and got me to the NFL. So i never forget this. I, I love Florida State growing up. I love Bobby Bowden. I loved him. One day he said... And he talks in that kind of high-pitched voice. He was on the uh, – they had just played a game, and they got, like, probably four roughing the passer penalties, okay? So after the game, he said, well, you know, you know, I, I want my guys to get after it. Sometimes they get after it a little bit too much, but I'd rather them go fast than go slow, so I'm good. So after he said that, I was like, oh, I want to go to Florida State, especially if I'm playing defensive end. So anyway, I had Kendall. Kendall said, man, you need to get that thought out of your head. Florida State will never recruit in, in Georgia. They will never recruit up here, and they will never recruit you. So from that day on, I said, I am going to Florida State. It's one of those things where you want to prove somebody wrong, and Kendall was my 
biggest cheerleader in terms of I wanted to prove him wrong. And we're still good friends and all that. We all tell the story. But that's why I went to Florida State was because of him. In your senior season, I know you had some injuries. Do you ever wish or think back that you declared for the draft after your junior season? Is that ever a thought? You know, it used to be a lot. Um, and it used to be, especially like my first few years in the NFL. Like I was like, man, you know, I should have just, I should have left. You know, there was some some scouts had me at a first round grade. Some some scouts had me, you know, first second rounder. So I, I really thought that for a while. But after I was I played in the NFL, and I started realizing not just who I was as a football player, but who I was as an individual. I'm actually really glad I didn't, and I'm actually really glad I wasn't a first rounder or I wasn't, you know, because I think it would have made me a different person. You know, it's just, I just know who I was and maybe just having all the accolades and all the money and all the limelight. I really think I wouldn't be the person that I am today and the quality person. Yeah, what I've had more money, of course, but sometimes I think we put a little too much into that. And I, and I realized that I became a first round person instead of a first round player because of kind of stick, sticking around my senior year. So I, I think that that's how I'll put that. Okay. For your transition to the NFL, how would you describe your draft day experience? Yeah, man. So the draft was uh, man, it, it was cool. I, I I was around my my you know I had my family. I was in Cartersville, so I wasn't doing anything major. But uh, but yeah. So I, I was um, I was at home, and I never forget my my dad. He just knew I was going to be a first rounder. Like that was just he just he just knew that. And so like, I would tell him like the likelihood of me being a first rounder is really really low. So. He was, we were watching the draft, and he was getting nervous, and he was just kind of biting his nails, and I was just playing, you know, video games, eat pizza like I usually do, and uh, and so finally, man, just when they called my name in the third round, I mean, he was so relieved because, yeah, I guess it was a lot of pressure. I never thought about how much pressure it was on him as a parent, you know, because he wants the best for me. And then my mom's over there, and, you know, she got all this on YouTube. She's over there doing cartwheels. She almost hurts herself. And I'm just like, why can't you all just be calm? And everybody's like, why are you not as excited as your parents are? And I guess because I, I kind of expected it, and I've been working for something my entire life that would have happened. It was more of a relief than an excitement. I was just ready for the next phase. Well, now, in your rookie season, I know on the field, you weren't a part of the most successful team with the Detroit Lions team that went 0-16. So can you take me through what that was like for that being your first year in the NFL? Man, you just had to pick a scab, didn't you? You know, I'm trying <laughs> I'm to put that in the, re- in the recesses of my memories. <laughs> no, but <laughs> you know what's funny? My first year, I guess I realized how hard it was to win in the NFL. And because we had some good players and we actually had, you know, I wouldn't say we had a good team, but we had good players. We had talent. And we were close in a lot of games. It's just the margin of victory and, and defeat, like the line is so slim in the NFL. And I think that's where I really realized that. I mean, it was tough because, you know, you come from a school like Florida State where you're used to winning. And then you go into the NFL and you don't win at all your first year. But I will say this. I was definitely privileged because – I didn't start out on top, so there's only one way to go. What's, what's up? So, you know, we won. I think we won two games the next year. That was an improvement. And then we went. You know, I think we won six games. Then we went to playoffs and stuff like that. So, I would say I've experienced pretty much everything you could experience other than winning the Super Bowl that you that you could experience in the NFL as a player. Well, do you have a favorite moment or a favorite play in your time in the NFL with the Lions? Okay. 
So this is my favorite moment of all time. So I'm a real, like, I, I'm, and I have to tell the story behind the story first. So one of my favorite players or one of your know, best teammate was a guy named, as you know, in Dominican Sue. One of my, he's still one of my favorite players to watch. So one day, this was in 2014. We're playing against Tampa Bay, and he was making plays all over the field, just having the game of his life, which he, I mean, he always had the game of his life, but he was always good. So one particular play, we are both on the field. He made a big play. I think he got a sack. He came off the field. He sits down on the bench. I sit down beside him, and he shuts his eyes and grits his teeth, like, really, really hard. You can picture that. So I, thought, I actually thought he was hurt. So I tapped him on the shoulder. I was like, hey, man, you all right? And dude didn't say anything to me. And I said, Yo, hey, you okay? And he didn't say anything to me at all. Just totally ignored me. So then I got up. I was like, well, forget you too then. I'm just trying to help you out, right? And I walked off. So anyway, after the game, he comes to me. He says, hey, man, he calls me Flu because my last name is Flu Ellen. So he was like, hey, Flu, man, my bad. I was just doing my visualization. I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't be distracted. And I said, you're what? He said, my visualization. And I said, well, well what is that? He said, well, just think about this. He said, all right. Let me, let me let me tell you this. He said, you know how I'm making plays all over the field, and sometimes the coach will call one play, and I'll do something totally opposite, but I'll still make the play, and the coaches can't say anything. He was like, you see how I'm making plays out here, but you're doing everything right, and you're not? And I was like, well, that's kind of a low blow. You had to say it like that. But I was like, well, it was true. And he said, yeah, man, I pictured myself making these plays. I visualized myself doing this probably a hundred times before this game has happened. Like, I've seen myself making these plays all week. So when I come out on the field, I'm not just randomly doing this stuff. This is what I've already seen. And that's when I realized the reason that I didn't excel in, in the NFL like I wanted to was not because of my talent or my ability, but it was because of my mindset. And he opened up my eyes to a whole different level of how the elite players approach the game. And I think that was really my favorite moment was just that that time where I had a dude who was younger than me, but he's a pro bowler, teaching me about the power like of training your mind. And I still do all those exercises till till this day. So it that, I would really say that's my favorite moment, just that time on the field, him saying that, and it really changed my life. Wow, okay. With the Detroit Lions, it's rare you see a player play four different stints and sign nine contracts with one team. What kept drawing you back to Detroit? Well, you know, they, they say, just think about this. All right. And people ask me all the time, when Calvin Johnson's locker room right next to mine, and after, I think, the seventh or eighth time they signed me back, he says, hey, man, he says, Flu, how long are you going to be doing this? And I said, uh, what are you talking about? He was like, man... I'll be honest with you, they've cut you like seven times. And I was like, yeah, it has been seven. He was like, no, are you serious? It's really seven? I was like, yeah, he, he was just picking out an arbitrary number, but it really was seven. So he was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And I said, well, I'm playing in the NFL still. So regardless of how many times they fired me and bring me back, I'm still doing something that point zero 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 one percent of the population could ever even think about doing. So I was like, I'm good regardless. Now, did I feel any, the first time I got cut, it was really hard. The second time, yeah, not so hard. Then after that, I was like, Hey, y'all just give me, y'all just give me a break. Let my body recover. And then when I come back, I'm totally healthy, totally fine. And then I, you know, and I don't have all that wear and tear on me. So it was, 
it wasn't the worst thing in the world. So now we'll talk about the recent NFL CBA collective bargaining agreement discussions that have been going on around the league. During that time that it was going on and trying to get past, you tweeted about something you thought that would be an interesting addition to the CBA. You said that if the NFL wants an 18-game schedule, they should make teams have to guarantee each player $50,000 when they sign. I know you'd like to see it, so can you explain why it makes sense and why you like it? Okay, so here's the deal. The new CBA is great as it is for players who played in the 70s and the 80s, right, who retired in the 70s and 80s. That's who gets the most, in terms of former players, that's who gets the most direct benefit um, in terms of former players. Now, for current players, the, the new CBA looks like this. It looks. This is exactly what it looks like. The top players get a lot more. The bottom tier players get a little bit more. And everything pretty much stays the same. Right? That's just that's how the new CBA really if I look I look through the whole thing. And that's where it pretty much you can kind of boil it down to that. The big players get more, the little players get a little bit more, but everything else pretty much stays the same. So but what's really left out, and this is something that I really have a big problem with with the NFL was I don't really care about guaranteed contracts for everybody. Like I don't really care about that. But what I do care about is the guy who I've seen too often, the guy who gets signed on Tuesday morning, but then he gets cut Tuesday evening because there's another guy who they think the team might think is better than the guy they just signed. And I've seen that hun- literally hundreds of times. These NFL players are real people. And they're real college, you know, just college guys who just got out of college who have put everything on the line to play this game. And they put everything, and they say, and people always say, oh, you should have a plan B. Well, how do you have a plan B when your plan A is, if you're, if you're not focused, you can get cut in an hour's time, or you can actually get hurt or paralyzed on the field. Like, sometimes I think they were so focused on having that plan B, but at the highest level, you have to be laser-focused. And so these are guys that are super laser-focused and get signed to a team and thinking that they're going to continue their career and then their career is done and have nothing to show for it in terms of financially. Like, I think that's the messed up part about what the league could have done. It could have put a little bit of money aside and said, okay, whenever a guy gets signed, that's $50,000. And also what that does is that keeps a team from signing somebody and cutting them the same out because he's actually the team is actually on, on the hook for something. So that would be my, if I, you know, if I was able to do the CBA, and if I was in the NFL, like if I was an NFL owner or whatever, or, you know, the powers that be, I would have said, hey, NFLPA, we're doing an 18-game season, and we're doing all this, and we'll give every guy 50000 upon signing a contract. And if the NFLPA said no, that would look like the NFLPA is not trying to take care of the small guy. And that's kind of what I think the NFL could have done. I know that during your time with the Lions, you were involved with the NFL's Salute to Service. Can you explain what that program is and what your role was in it, helping veterans and military members? Yeah, so that was really cool. So when I was, uh, I went back to do what they call an honor flight. And so an honor flight is, man, it's something that's probably one of the better, better moments of my life is there's World War II um, Korean War and Vietnam War veterans who've never been to Washington, D.C. So what they'll do is they'll charter an entire plane and then they brought some athletes But we and we had to be caretakers for some of these elderly gentlemen who were in, the, in these epic wars. 
So we spent the whole whole day with him. Uh, you know, I really had to get trained about okay, this is this guy's medicine. This is what issues that he has. Like I had to, like I was his really caretaker. I was responsible for this veteran that day. And and we went all around Washington D.C. Saw the monuments. The probably the best moment of that was so there's I think at the Korean War Memorial there's these kind of silhouette outlines of soldiers that are real that are real soldiers and you know, it's just on the wall and it's very it's very beautiful and then one of the people one of the veterans that were there was like hold on that's me and we were all like what are you talking about and he stood beside it and the the silhouette was actually him he had no idea it's the first time he's ever seen it. Uh, but they actually memorialized his picture in that in that silhouette memorial. So that was really, really, really cool, man. That was awesome what the Lions did by putting that together. Oh, wow, okay. Well, outside of football, what kind of things are you passionate about? Yeah, so honestly, just, man, I love inspiring people and I love connecting people. Those are two things that I love doing. And so what I'm doing now is I started a group called Beyond the Game Network, where basically it's a group of athletes and business executives that come together to do life as a team. All right. So what I realize is, you know, I played football from the time I was, you know, middle school. But some guys have played football since they've been like five, five years old. So think of a guy who's playing since five years old and he retires at 30, at 30 years old. Right. He has 25 years of football experience, but then he's expected to go into the business world and have the same level of success when that's really not, it's really not feasible. And at the same time, he's supposed to be competing against business executives and businessmen to have 25 years of business experience. So, you know, it's, and so what I, what I, what I wanted to do was instead of trying to make that be a competition, right, I was figuring, well, why not collaborate? Business executives want to be around athletes anyway, and athletes need the experience from executives. So what we do is we put together this group of network of athletes and business executives, and we come together to learn that we do educational sessions. We do seminars. What we do right now, we do virtual coaching sessions. Like We do all of this, and it's hosted for free for athletes. So this is just something that we that we do, something that, that I, can, I can connect people and I can inspire people. And that's kind of the goal with Beyond the Game Network. It's just a place for athletes and business executives to come do life together as a team. That's awesome, Andre. Well, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me on.